With a jet engine partnership, space cooperation and a drone deal worth billions of dollars, our India-US ties heading into a whole new stratospheric zone after Prime Minister Modi's visit to Washington. What's in the fine print of all the agreements between them? And did concerns over human rights issues weigh down the visit? Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sahasini Heather. This week, we are looking at Prime Minister Narendra Modi's visit to Washington, a state visit, which saw US President Joseph Biden roll out the red carpet for him. The visit included a private dinner at the White House, a ceremonial welcome, a state banquet, an address to the US Congress joint session, and lunch at the State Department. Remember, Prime Minister Modi is the third international leader after French President Macron and South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol to be invited as a state guest to the Biden White House. Remember, COVID, of course, has meant that all these visits started a bit later, just last year. Prime Minister Modi is also the third Indian to be, uh, to be invited, the third Indian leader to be invited as a state visitor to Washington. If you look back since 2009, when Prime Minister Manmohan Singh was invited by President Barack Obama. Mr. Prime Minister, yours is the first official state visit of my presidency. And in 1963, when President Sarvapali Radhakrishnan was invited by President John F. Kennedy. So now you see 60 years later, Prime Minister Modi being given a ceremonial welcome at the White House uh, by President Biden and his wife, Dr. Jill Biden, uh, the first lady as she's known and he got a standing ovation at the u.s congress as well decades from now people will look back and say the quad bent the arc of history toward global good as the prime minister describes it together india and the united states are working closely on everything from ending poverty and expanding access to health care to addressing climate change to tackling food and energy insecurity stoked by Russia's unprovoked war in Ukraine. We were strangers in defense cooperation at the turn of century. Now, the United States has become one of our most important defense partners. Today, India and the U.S. are working together in space and in the seas, in science and in semiconductors, in startups and sustainability, in tech and in trade, in farming and finance in art and artificial intelligence, in energy and education, in healthcare and humanitarian efforts. Okay, so let's then take a look at the outcomes of the visit. And broadly, these fall into about four or five categories. Both the US side and the Indian side put those into the joint statement. And of course, the joint statement is available online, both on the MEA's website as well as the White House website. 
The first silo, if you like, is on the high-tech partnership. This is the most salient of them. Uh, the big deal that was announced during the visit was the MOU that has been signed for a co-production deal between General Electric and Hindustan Aeronautical Limited, HAL as it's known, to manufacture GE F414 jet engines in India. These will be used for India's made Tejas light combat aircraft. The second big deal, semiconductor supply chains with Micron Technology, one of the US companies investing $800 million towards a new $2.7 billion semiconductor assembly and testing facility um, due to be set up in Gujarat. The Indian Semiconductor Mission will actually fund the rest of the project. So 875, uh, 825 from the US. Um, also, we're looking at uh, the new partnership. We've spoken about this before under the initiative of uh, or initiative on Critical and Emerging Technology, or ICET as it's called. A number of innovation partnerships uh, have been established. India and the US established also a joint Indo-US quantum coordination mechanism to facilitate joint research. So we're looking here at quantum, advanced computing, and artificial intelligence. Next, India has decided it will join the 11-nation Mineral Security Partnership. Remember, that was just set up. It's meant to reduce dependence on China for critical minerals. And in a previous worldview, we've spoken about how China really has cornered that market. The second big silo, if high tech was one silo, the second big silo is defense cooperation. Uh, India is set to buy 16 drones called uh, Sea Guardian UAVs uh, uh, from the US. The US Navy uh, has also concluded a master ship repair agreement, MSRA, as it's called, with one company, Larson and Tubro, at the shipyard in Chennai in Katupali, and is finalizing agreements with Mazgaon Dock in Mumbai, the Goa shipyard as well. This is for ship repairs to see Indian, uh, to see U.S. naval warships or other ships come through India. Uh, the third to place Indian liaison officers at three different U.S. commands. This is an old plan. Uh, but it has been renewed, so we uh, so they do hope to see these officers being posted. Next, we saw something new, which is the launch of the Indo-US Defense Acceleration Ecosystem, also called Indus-X. This is really between private defense industry partners in the US and in India, and it's to help them coordinate, particularly with their governments as well. Third silo, space cooperation. Now, India signed something called the Artemis Accords during this visit. Uh, which really means that it's joined 26 other countries that are working together on exploration of the moon, Mars and beyond. Of course, this is led by the US and NASA, uh, uh, in, uh, the, its agency in particular. And also, NASA will provide advanced uh, training to ISRO astronauts from India with the goal of launching a joint effort to the International Space Station in 2024. NASA and ISRO are also developing a strategic framework for human space flight to send humans into space uh, and that cooperation is going to be set up by the end of 2023. Next is number four, our trade and consular issues. I've just put those together. Uh, one, we saw the resolution. This is after the leaders meeting, the resolution of six out of seven outstanding WTO disputes. This is where India has slapped cases on the US or US has slapped cases on India. They've come to mutually agreed solutions and to more market access for both sides. Also, India has decided to set up a consulate in Seattle and in two other U.S. cities, while the U.S. will set up its consulates now in Ahmedabad and Bengaluru as well. 
and a relaxation in H-1B visas, uh, particularly for those who are already there in the US, in-country renewals will be possible. There'll also be a greater availability of visas. And of course, visas has always been on the agenda between the two countries, even though it may not have been as much on this visit. What were the broad geopolitical takeaways from the Modi visit? One, really the reaffirmation of India-US strategic ties within uh, bilaterally as well as within the Quad and the Indo-Pacific. Although no specific messaging was seen on China during this visit. Remember, just prior to the visit, Antony Blinken went to Beijing. He met with Xi Jinping. Then there was uh, quite a lot of controversy over President Biden, who uh, called President Xi Jinping a dictator. He later said this was about some confusion between the two countries, but it seems to have been papered over. The second big takeaway is the high technology partnerships will really drive the next phase of the relationship. Uh, remember, just as once the nuclear deal or defense uh, agreements or the search uh, really for uh, an FTA, the free trade agreement, was once the big driver in the relationship between them, it's clear it's going to be high tech partnerships. In particular, the jet engine deal, if it goes through, could pave the way for more technology transfer. And that's something that has really eluded the relationship. So that's where it is being called by the US a trailblazer initiative. The third takeaway that leadership level summits and meetings continue to ensure that India-US ties grow year on year as they have for the past two decades. Biden will visit India for the G20 summit in September. And there's now speculation quite likely that Prime Minister Modi will be invited to California for the APEC summit in November, where leaders of 21 countries, including US and China, will meet. So all that remains is for us to read the fine print. What got left out and what does the fine print mean? Let's start with the big ticket item on this visit. For the GEF 414 jet engines to be co-produced in India, that still has a bit of a regulatory road ahead for it. A manufacturing license agreement has now been submitted for congressional notification and the US Congress will need to clear that on the basis of two counts, uh, two different laws, one of export administration regulations, EAR as it's called, and international traffic in arms regulations, or ITAR. These are two important uh, regulations that you, India has to pass muster from the US. Now, questions are still open over the deal itself on how much technology will be transferred to India. Because if a substantial amount or an important amount of the technology is not transferred, then India gets much less of a value add. Also, whether there will be conditions and whether India will accept conditions uh, attached to that. Of course, in the past, we have seen uh, the US object to India's dealings with Russia, for example, or other dealings with Iran. Uh, so will there be conditionalities attached to this? Will India be prepared to accept them? And these are all some of the reasons uh, that previous attempts, particularly on jet engine technology transfers, as the two company, uh, countries really attempted from 2012 to 2019 under what was called the DTTI framework, had failed so far. Uh, the second real fine print is on Indian regulations that have similarly, similarly held up the nuclear deal. Of course, the first MOU for the nuclear deal signed way back in 2000 and, uh, 2008. Uh, the Sivnuke deal itself was signed in 2005. Uh, but even so, that basic contract between the Nuclear Power Cooperation of India Limited, NPCIL, and the US-based Westinghouse Electric Company uh, for the construction of six nuclear reactors in Kovada, Andhra Pradesh, has been hanging fire for more than a decade. And even eight years after Prime Minister Modi and President Obama 
announced very grandly that the nuclear deal was done. The two countries have not yet been able to work around the legal complications from what's called the civil liabilities uh, in, uh, in especially Nuclear Disaster uh, Act that was passed in India. And there has still not been a techno-commercial offer made as a result. So it's always mentioned in the joint statement, but we've not seen the progress that the two countries wanted just yet. Third, the Biden administration has made it clear that it has no interest in continuing Trump-era FTA talks. Um, so the free trade agreement is not going anywhere right now. The Modi government has also made it clear, and it's there in the joint statement, that the Biden administration must restore India's GSP status for exports. Remember, this was something uh, that was removed by the Trump administration in 2019 over all the uh, upset they had over uh, WTO regulations, over market access. But even so, even despite the fact it's in the joint statement and there's been some resolution on WTO, there was no movement on the GSP status during this visit. Fourth, the big ticket deal from 2019. Remember, in 2019, it was all about energy partnership between the two countries and the big Indian investment that was announced in a US LNG plant, uh, $2.5 billion planned to be invested by Petronet in Tellurian's Driftwood LNG project. This is in America's Louisiana. That is still off the table, has not been revived, nor was any announcement actually made on Gale India's plan. Gas Authority of India Limited had made a plan in February that it wanted to invest in American LNG plants. And surprisingly, this was expected to be on the agenda, but there were no announcements. Fifth, India and the US agreed to disagree, but their differences over the Russian war in Ukraine remain. While Biden referred to what he called Russia's brutal war on two occasions publicly, Prime Minister Modi didn't refer to it at all, and nor did the joint statement reflect it. They, they spoke about the Ukraine war and the continuing tragedy, but not about Russia's role. Sixth, human rights. And of course, this deserves a separate chapter almost because it came in for so much uh, commentary even before the visit had begun. Uh, and it seems clear that while Mr. Biden did not refer to human rights really in any of his public comments, it is as prickly an issue as it was in 2014 when Prime Minister Modi visited the US for the first time after his visa was revoked in 2005. Now, ahead of this visit, as many as 75 members of the US Congress wrote to President Biden demanding that he raise concerns over human rights and democracy in India publicly, uh, which he did not, as I said. A few Congress members even announced that they were boycotting the Prime Minister's address to Congress. Several newspapers carried editorials on the issue, and this came from former President Obama. Of course, President Joe Biden used to be his vice president, and this is what Obama said in an interview to CNN that was released on the same day as the state visit. I think it is true that if uh, um, the president meets with Prime Minister Modi, then the protection of the Muslim minority in a majority Hindu India uh, that's something worth mentioning. Uh, because, and, and by the way, if, if I had a conversation with uh, Prime Minister Modi, who I know well, part of my argument would be that if you do not protect the rights of ethnic minorities in India, uh, then the, there is a strong possibility India at some point uh, starts pulling apart. And, and we've seen what happens when you start getting those kinds of large internal uh, um, conflicts. Now, when he was asked at a rare press event that Prime Minister Modi, where he took a few questions from the media, 
Uh, here was Prime Minister Modi's reply to the questions on human rights. और हमने सिद्ध किया है डेमोक्रेसी कैन डिलीवर और जब मैं डिलीवर कहता हूं तब कास्ट क्रीड रिलीजन जेंडर किसी भी भेदभाव को वहां जगह नहीं होती है सो क्वाइट अ फर्म डिनायल देयर फ्रॉम प्राइम मिनिस्टर मोदी ऑफ एनी डिस्क्रिमिनेशन और ह्यूमन राइट्स वायोलेशंस ही सेड इफ देयर इज नो ह्यूमैनिटी और ह्यूमन राइट्स देयर इज नो डेमोक्रेसी सो हियर्स वर्ल्ड व्यूज टेक Quite aside from the moment at hand, the underlying logic for India-U.S. relations, especially between its people, has always been strong, and it is the reason that relations remained close despite Cold War tensions for decades. Prime Minister Modi's state visit to Washington is one more step in ties that have grown year on year over two decades and are clearly poised to take the next leap on technology transfer. When it comes to questions over Indian democracy. Uh, that are really internal to india prime minister modi made a rare exception in taking questions in the us but it is the answers he gives to indians in india on democratic freedoms that will actually count so let's get you some world view recommendations and i'm afraid many of these books have already been spoken about but i'm going to get you through the definitive list as far as i'm concerned one by my colleague at the hindu vargis george open embrace india us ties now this is the 2021 edition in which he has updated it there's a picture of modi and biden on the cover earlier editions had spoken about the trump years as well Uh, the second book india at the global high table the quest for regional primacy and strategic autonomy it's part of the geopolitics in the 21st century series and this is by two distinguished diplomats now um, no more with us howard shafer as well as his wife teresita shafer uh, the third the future of us india security cooperation by sumit ganguly and chris mason i would really recommend this set of essays that get you the latest on where the india us security cooperation uh, relationship is it's not talked about as much and also what are the problems where are the roadblocks between them a uh, very very erudite bunch of uh, writers there then this book i've talked about before called friends with benefits the india us story by seema sirohi a very chatty book but really tells you all you need to know about the back channel diplomacy between the two countries uh, another book called a matter of trust India-US relations from Truman to Trump by Minakshi Ahmed, uh, and then there's this book not talked about much, but I found it interesting: changing U.S. foreign policy towards India, U.S.-India relations since the Cold War. And this is by an academic, Karina Vander Wittering, and she's really looked at uh, the the way the U.S. and India have worked together in, during the Clinton, the Bush uh, second. and obama administration so she's really looked at the post cold war uh, status between the two countries uh, it's an academic book but it has very many interesting points this book on history called forged in crisis india and the united states since 1947 by rudra choudhury is of course the head of carnegie as well and has worked on the technology partnership now but this book on history is very interesting as is the most dangerous place a history of the united states in south asia by shrinath raghavan it starts before independence and then really goes on to talk about how these relationships with different south asian countries were formed i hope you enjoyed reading this entire list and certainly do click on like or subscribe uh, if you're watching this on youtube on the hindus youtube channel we're also available on the hindus website www.thehindu.com do join us again and from the team here thanks for watching